Anybody glad to be in God's house today? If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to 1 John. 1 John. I'm going to be in the second chapter of 1 John. John chapter 2, and I'm going to read one verse of Scripture today, and it's verse 27. It says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth and is no lie even and even as it hath taught you you shall abide in him I'm going to ask you to stretch forth your hand this morning pray for your pastor that the anointing of heaven will rest upon the servant of the Lord as we minister the word of the Lord can I hear you pray in concert with me father we come before you today Thanking you for the word of God that truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We come to this part of the service now and we certainly have sensed you here already in the praise and worship. Lord, we pray that as we enter into the time of the word, God, that you would bless and you would touch, you would undergird, you would strengthen. That everything that is accomplished today would bring glory and honor to you. We take a moment to pray for the tithe and the offering as people exit the church today. We take a moment to pray your blessings and favor over our children in Kids Church this morning. That you would anoint Pastor Lindell and Hilda and their team as they minister to our kids. May everything that is done across this complex today, may it bring glory and honor and praise. And to the name of Jesus Christ, we give all glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. What is a great church? We have a mission here that we mention often that is a part of who we are. It is a God-given mission for us to live out in our town, our county, and our surrounding areas. We're to live it out in our homes and live it out in our workplaces and our educational locations. And it's simply this. We're to love like God serve like Jesus, and impact with the Holy Spirit. To function in the image of the divine trinity is what God has called us to do. And we here at Pulaski Church of God, along with every other Bible-believing church, should have three non-negotiable goals. One, to worship God passionately, to praise Him for what He has done, and to commune with Him for who He is. We should be doing that all the time. 
Secondly, we should uh, also have a, a goal to evangelize the world, a mandate that Jesus has given to every one of us is to go into the whole world and preach the gospel to each and every creature. And then thirdly, our third mandate, and quite likely the most challenging of all the three, is to disciple and equip believers for service in the kingdom of God. Are we evangelizing the lost? Are we growing and maturing as a church body? Are we fulfilling our God-given destiny as a local church in the community? We've been studying for the last three Sundays on the church in Antioch. It was a church that was located 300 miles north, due north of Jerusalem, the city of God. It was the third largest city in the known world at the time. It was a city that was filled with horoscopes and magic and astrology everywhere. Sin abounded in Antioch. But as we have seen the last three Sundays, the Antioch church was strong in Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 13. And the believers were known for having great grace, great relationships, and great evangelism which made them, in the eyes of God, a great church. But there is another key component, and though it is not spelled out specifically in uh, the description of Antioch, it is very evident and was definitely present in the laity and the leadership at the church at Antioch, and that is the element we know as the anointing. They were an anointed church. Their success and impact wasn't due to their size, uh, their structure, because, uh, or their skill set, because after all, they, they met in houses. Their leaders had limited education. They had minimal organization. And just like today, they faced the isms like we do in the church today. Just like today, they faced racism, and they battled cynicism. And they wrestled with legalism. And they tackled paganism. All the isms that were, are present today were present in the church at Antioch. They confronted superstitions and witchcraft. And with all the limited resources, you ask the question, so what was the secret to their greatness? What is it in these early churches that we look back at in awe of their effectiveness I would submit to you the one tangible factor that is plain for us as it was for them is that they had no chance to be successful without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 56 times in 28 chapters in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is mentioned. That's an average of two times every chapter that the Spirit of God is articulated we look at that, and you look in your Bible, and it's called the Acts of the Apostles. But that book really is more than the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It seems that the defining phrase of the whole book, the drive of the early church, could be found in Acts 15 and verse 28. It's a phrase that means a 
lot to me, and it goes simply like this. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Why? Because everything that the early church did had to be done with the anointing of the Spirit of God. Let me lay it out for you in the city of Antioch. First of all, the Holy Ghost had brooded over the city of Antioch just like he had done over the earth that was without form and void in Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit of God went ahead of the people of God, I believe that with all of my heart, and was stirring the hearts of the people in the city, preparing them for unnamed people that would come from Cyprus and Cyrene. In other words, the Holy Spirit was preparing the climate in advance. Can I tell you something? I believe that the Holy Spirit goes before us. I believe that before you ever walk into a room, if God has a divine assignment where he wants you to appropriate the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I believe that he will prepare the climate ahead, well, praise the Lord, ahead of your arrival. Not only that, but you see, secondly, these unnamed men preaching Jesus, the Holy Spirit working through them in Acts chapter 11 and Acts 13. In fact, Acts 11 and 20 says, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. Now you got to understand these unnamed men were simply products of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 when Jesus said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And we also understand that man can preach and say words, but 1 Corinthians 2 and 3 says that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you something today? You can say the words all day long, but the Bible tells us that the letter killeth, but it is the Spirit that giveth life. And when you speak those words, they can be words of truth, but can I declare today, they've got to be backed up and saturated with the anointing of the Holy Spirit if they're going to land and be effective in the lives of people that we come in contact with. So you see that the Spirit of God is brooding over Antioch prior to these men's arrival. And you see when the men arrive that the Holy Spirit is convicting while men are convincing. And thirdly, you see that the Holy Spirit was evident as people were born again. Well, praise the Lord. They were born of the water naturally and they were born of the Spirit spiritually. Just like Nicodemus, they found Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that the anointing of God, the Spirit of God was working in all facets in Antioch. Again, the Holy Spirit prepared the climate ahead of the church. Again, the Holy Spirit sent unnamed men to convince the people while the Spirit convicted 
repented of the people. Again, the Holy Spirit confirmed the mission as people turned to the Lord and to beat all, God sent their first pastor, whose name was Barnabas, a Holy Ghost-filled man of God. I was looking this week and I was reminded. It's interesting, the name Barnabas means son of consolation. And yet in the Greek, if you look it up, it means son of parakletos. You say, okay, that sounds strange to me. Well, let me tell you, back in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter. And if you research the word comforter there, you'll find the word parakletos, uh, where Jesus described the Spirit of God that he was sending after he arrived back in heaven. And so you've got the, you've got the son of consolation, and it's translated in the Greek, son of parakletos. And Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit as, as a parakletos, the comforter. So literally, it could be translated that Barnabas was a son of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, the anointing was all over in advance of and, and all saturated throughout the work in the church that was going on in Antioch. You say, what is the difference this morning? I'll tell you. You may say it's cliche. It's not cliche at all. It is truth. And that is this. The anointing still makes the difference in the life of a church. Let me sound the clarion call this morning. You can promote grace and you can emphasize the importance of being relational and you can teach and preach and push evangelism. But if you have not the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you and I will fail. We will fail. We will fail. We have to have the anointing. And when the anointing is within us and it comes out of us, it will make the difference in the lives of people we come in contact with. In the scripture this morning, this, this leaps off the pages. It says, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. <laughs> I did some research on that. And I said, okay, well, what does anointing mean? Anointing means this. To anoint means to rub in, smear on, or pour over. I like it. Rub in, smear on, or pour over. There was a time in my life that God anointed me, which means that he rubbed it in, that he smeared it on, and that he poured it over me. And can I tell you, it just hasn't happened one time, but it's happened many times since then. Rubbed in, smeared on, and poured over. That's what anointing is. Anointing happened all throughout the Bible. You go back to the Old Testament, and you'll find Jacob. He anointed or poured oil on a stone at Bethel to confirm a vow that he had made to God. What he did was he rubbed in, smeared on, and poured over on that rock, uh, proving his commitment to the vow to God. You read that women were anointed for cosmetic and beautifying in, in the book of Ruth and in the book of Amos. 
Amos. They were rubbed in, smeared on, and poured over. Hosts would anoint certain guests to symbolize honor and respect. You go showing up at, at Mary's house, you're going to get slapped with some oil on your head. It, they're going to rub it in. They're going to pour it over you because they're, they're, showing, you, they're showing you honor. Sick and anointed that were, were uh, wounded and were hurting were anointed with oil and wine for medicinal and healing purposes. That, that oil was rubbed in and, and smeared on and, and poured over. The dead even were anointed for embalming purposes. Priests and, and kings and, and prophets were anointing. Buildings and altars and furnishings and utensils were anointed, rubbed in and, and smeared on and poured over. You see, when David was called and the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house and, and Jesse sent all of the rest of the boys in front of him and said, Don't, this is not the one, this is not the one, the prophet said. Do you have one more? He said, oh yeah, I got a stripling of a boy that's tending some sheep on the back side of the desert. Bring him in. We're not going to sit down to the fatted calf until you bring that last one in. And when he walks in, he says, this is the one that is chosen by the Lord. And the Bible says he, he anointed him. He poured it over him. He rubbed it in on him. He smeared it all over him because it was the anointing of heaven. Years would go by and David would again be anointed to be king over all Israel. I'm telling you there was significance when it came to the anointing. And then you add Jesus into, into everything that is unfolding. And he adds significance to anointing. For did you know that the name Christ means anointed one? That's why in Luke 4, 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Jesus was anointed and you and I are anointed. Somebody say praise the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 it says now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. We have a partnership anointing with the son of the living God. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Envision it like this. You have been rubbed in and smeared over and poured on by the Holy Trinity. I wish somebody would get this in your spirit today. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost has taken oil from the altar of heaven and has come down and has smeared it all over you and poured it all over you and rubbed it in all over you. I'm telling you, we've got to, we've got to revel in the anointing because the anointing is what makes the difference. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, let me tell it to you another way. I, I believe that I am God greased and Jesus juiced and Holy Spirit soaked. Well, praise the Lord. I am God greased and Jesus juiced and Holy Spirit soaked. I am a child of God filled with a demonstration and the power of Almighty God. I am the anointed. You are the anointed of the Lord. Well, praise God. Revel in the reality. Pandemic or not, you are the anointed of the Lord. Yes. 
You see, one of the big problems in Christianity today is somehow we've gotten to the place that we believe that anointing is only tied to the platform. That's a lie. We've got more spiritual celebrities in the church than ever in history. And sometimes we deify them so much and those persons so much, and they begin to believe and act as if they are the only one anointed of the Lord. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't have to drive hundreds of miles south or across the west to get to some hotshot crusade. All I have to do is call for a brother or sister in the church, join together where two or three are gathered in his name. He said he'd be in the midst. I'm telling you right now, there's enough faith in this room that every disease has to flee. There's enough faith in this room that every sickness has to go. There's enough faith in this room that every malady has to come under subjection to the blood of Jesus Christ. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you right now, there are people of God in this room that are the anointed of the Lord. And if we've got the anointed, we've got to start living like it and acting like it. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Well, praise the Lord. Mm. Anointed ones. Y'all all family here, so I'm going to get a little close. But what if anointed ones started anointing others? What if anointed ones started a radical move? <laughs> what if May laid hands on Tommy or Chris laid hands on Diane or Jerry lays hands on Tim or Cindy lays hands on her dad or Tammy lays hands on Nikki or Clarice lays hands on Donnie or Jeremy lays hands on Trenton or Daniel lays hands on Avon or Debbie lays hands on Tina or Donald lays hands on Steve or Shirley lays hands on Mike or Debbie lays hands on Bill. I'm telling you, there's no prophets, there's no psalmists, there's no big shots. It's just the anointed of the Lord. I'm preaching to you when God poured it down or smeared it on or rubbed it in, it does not dry up or disappear, it's there. Signs shall follow them that believe. Y'all think I flipped my lid. But if you walk into the workplace tomorrow morning and Sally comes up to you and says, man, I got a bad report from the doctor. And I want to tell you about it. And you give her this little feeble, well, I'll be remembering you in my thoughts and my prayers. What if you had you a little vial and you just pulled it out of your purse or out of your pocket? Said, Sally, what we're going to do right now is we're going to call upon the name of the Lord. You come to me. God has called me as the anointed of the Lord. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. God is able right here, right now, to bring about the miracle that you need. If you believe it, then act like it. 
If you believe it, then live like it. Ecclesiastes 9 and 8 in the NIV says, Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Who knows? Maybe somebody needs that in the house needs to slap themselves with some oil. Let not oil be lacking on your head. It's your selection. It's your sanction. It's your setting apart. The anointing gives you what you need to fulfill your special assignment. I think we're all going to have some shock value when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. When we see unheralded sisters who prayed for hours daily on end. They were anointed to pray, rubbed in, smeared on, poured over. Or those unknown brothers who taught rambunctious little boys to be more like Jesus. You deserve a special crown if you taught a boy Sunday school class for several years. You may not have never got one attaboy on this earth, but... They were anointed to teach. They were God-greased and Jesus-juiced and Holy Spirit-soaked. To minister to those boys nobody else would give the time to. Or those Christians who lived very average, modest homes and drove used cars. And yet they gave multiplied tens of thousands of dollars to missions. And you and I never knew it. Because they were anointed to give. Unheralded and unknown. They may not have the glossy black hair. May in fact be bald, but still be anointed. May not have the Invisalign smile. In fact, they may be missing some teeth, but still anointed. May not soothe with their words or woo you with their charisma. They were praying and fasting, word-centered, God-called and Holy Ghost-anointed, and they make up what God would say is a great church. The anointing abides inside of you. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Dr. Culpepper states of the anointing, it stays with you and stands with you. It dwells in you and endures with you. It continues with you and it remains with you. You're not just anointed at church on Sunday morning at 1030. Every time, good times and bad times, all the time, 3 p.m. or 3 a.m., you're the anointed, anointed of the Lord. Young people, don't ever allow anyone to take the place of your anointing that's inside of you. Quit listening to the lies of the devil that God has given up on you because things don't seem to be going right around you. The anointing is upon you and the anointing is inside of you. <laughs> what do you have to do? You have to discern your assignment. And then appropriate your anointing. 
because all of us are called and chosen by God. And when you, when you have discerned your assignment and you've appropriated your anointing, you have an unfair advantage over the devil. Why do you have an unfair advantage over the devil when you appropriate your anointing after discerning your assignment? Because you're no longer walking in the flesh, but you're walking in the spirit. Maybe you never connected this before. But there is a direct correlation between the anointing of the Holy Spirit and a healthy church. We're not a healthy church because we've got nice buildings. Think about this. Jesus sent out his 12 disciples, two by two, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Years went by, and James instructed the elders of the church to anoint the sick with oil and pray for their healing. There is a clear and concise correlation and connection between anointing and health. Likewise, there is a direct correlation between the anointing of the Holy Spirit and a healthy and a great church. I want more. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of the anointing. Like the little girl that went with her mom to the country store. The gentleman behind the counter pointed to the candy jar and took the lid off and said, Young lady, would you like to have some candy? Why don't you reach inside the jar and get your handful? And the little girl shied away. So he reached in, grabbed her a generous portion, and dropped it in her hands. And they're walking out of the store, and the mother said to the little girl, why were you so bashful? Why were you so shy about reaching in and getting a handful of candy? The little girl looked at her mama, and she said, I'll tell you why. His hand was a whole lot bigger than my hand. And how often, oh, Lord, I'm coming down here. How often do we approach God and say, God, I just want a little dab to do me. Just let me put my hand inside the jar and get a little bit of your anointing for today. If you'll give me a little bit today, it'll carry me for the whole week when God is looking for somebody that says, you know what? Why don't you just come in, forget the jar, forget the capacity, throw your hands up to me and say, God, give me all that I can handle, not just for today, but for all of this week, for I don't know what I'm going to face. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit.
I'm going to mess you up here. All right? I'm going to mess you up. Since March 17th, ain't nobody laid hands on you. Ain't nobody anointed you. And you know, you just come to a place sometimes where you ought to obey God rather than man. This is one of those times. I feel it. I feel it. Now, I'm going to respect every one of you. But I'm telling you, I'm convinced there's some people in the house that want a fresh anointing. They want a fresh touch of God. Psalms 92.10, my horn shalt thou exalt like the unicorn, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Now, I'm not all nilly-willy and crazy here. I've asked two brothers to help me. This is what we're going to do. And I know not everybody's going to come, and that's okay. I'm going to tell you this. I'm the only one that's going to be in front of you. I'm the only one that's going to put oil on you. I'm going to try my best to pray to the left and right of your head. But if the Holy Ghost hits me, and you get a little bit of pastor juice on you, I can say right this moment, I'm COVID clear, but I'm anointed of the Lord. I know this doesn't apply to everyone, but I'm telling you, I've wrestled with this and wrestled with this, and I've got to be obedient. Is it all right if we're obedient? Is it all right if we have a fresh touch from God? Is it all right if we have an altar service that we haven't had in months? Is there anybody in the house that still believes in an altar call? Is there anybody in the house that still believes that the power of God is greater to preserve us from anything around us so that we can have an encounter with God Almighty from on high? My God, my God. Holy Ghost, help me this morning. Come on, Tony. That's what we're going to do. I asked Joey and Jeremy to come up here and help me. And we're going to get two rows. We're going to ask you to space about three feet apart from over here. Right, one right there, one right here. Give me room to get in front of you and give those brothers room to get behind you. And we're going to anoint you with oil. Y'all here this morning? There may only be 10 brothers, 10 sisters show up, but I got to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now, I need a row right here where I can walk in front of you and then a row right there. Come on, come on. Make it as uniform as possible. I don't know what you need, but God wants me to anoint you. God wants me to anoint you. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way. Oh, Holy Ghost. Oh, Holy Ghost. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, preacher. It's been a long time, preacher. Yeah. 